The 387th edition of the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by our Patreon. Score exclusive perks and content only available to our patrons at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. Hi, Diego DeGenerinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Episode 387 goes out to Sinead O'Connor. And if you're a hardcore MMA fan, you'll know how she was connected to the sport. Thanks for coming to the podcast. We're going to talk about UFC 291 today. I'm one of the people we'll be talking about. It. I am Jeff Chalks Fox, the chalky half of your duo here. We have a pay-per-view this week in UFC 291 going down from the Delta Center in Salt Lake City, Utah. This episode is going to be all about the prelims. We have seven prelim fights to break down. Tomorrow, we will give you the main card and all of our fancy plays, locks, dogs, props, parlays, all that jazz. I won't be doing it alone. Let's bring in the unchalky half of the duo. That would be Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Hello. So you usually ask me this one, but I'm, I'm going to ask it to you. Yes. Put it back on you. Uh, how did you find okay. this card as far as picking fights? Um... I want to say easy, but there wasn't a, there was maybe two or three fights that I kind of had question marks on. I, uh, and a couple of them switched right before we recorded after I, I thought more about it and heard other opinions on it. So um, overall fairly not easy, but fairly straightforward. How about you? Yeah. I, I think when I, I first saw all the matchups, like if you just asked me to like not do any research and not look back yep. and not look at the stats and not watch film or anything, I, I probably would have underlined 10 or 11 of the people I wound up picking anyway. Uh, right. So like, yeah, like the, I felt like I did all of the research and I was like, yeah, that kind of just confirms what I already thought. Yeah. It kind of confirms what I already thought like across the board. So uh yeah, it was seemingly easy, but I mean, you know how those go. Uh, when they look yeah. easy, sometimes sometimes they're not. <laughs> Sadly, yes, we do. Hopefully, we do need a straightforward event this weekend. We don't need any messing around, right? Yeah, we we uh, we're, we're luckily away from Texas judges, so that should help things pretty substantially, right there. Yeah, and the Mormons don't mess around either, right? They're straight. Yeah, I don't actually. I, I have to say, <laughs> I don't actually remember. Uh, how good the Utah commission was last time. Cause it's not like a thing, right? Like they go to Salt Lake yep. city once a year, seemingly with a big pay-per-view. Like is, is this a big yeah. pay-per-view? I feel like it is. Um, yeah, it is. So, yeah. So, so they hit Salt Lake city with a big pay-per-view once a year in the way that they like used to with like some of the other cities like Boston, which now gets skipped over for once every three years. Um, but like they hit there, but I don't remember thinking anything about the commission, which is probably a good sign, right? Like if, if we don't remember anything, that's probably the best case scenario. Yeah. I'm looking at the results for UFC 278, which was the last pay-per-view here. Um, we had a majority decision in the Tibera versus Romanov fight. Does that ring any bells at all? Anything fishy there? What was weird about that one? Was it just that Romanov gassed the hell out? And the question was whether or not to give Tibera a 10-8 in the third. Yeah, maybe that was it. We had a, a split draw between Woodson and Saldana. I feel like I remember that being halfway normal. Yeah, I don't see anything. Everything else was all like unanimous decisions, So, which usually makes me think that there wasn't any shenanigans going on. So we shall see. Hopefully there's lots of finishes. We don't have to worry about this, right? 
It looks like Romanoff won a 10-8 first round uh, okay. by accounts, and uh, and only one judge gave it to him. So, like, every member of the media had it 28-28, with the exception of MMA Mania, who's notoriously <laughs> bad at this. Um, <laughs> yep. And they're right up there with Sherdog, but even the Sherdog guys gave uh, gave ten eights in there. Um, so it, it, Sal Diamato, Mike Bell, uh, you know the usual suspects, uh, messed that one up. So uh, yeah, yeah so, so maybe there was a little fishiness. There we go. We're gonna get some yeah. fishy. We're gonna get some fish in uh, in Utah, a, a place known for fish. Yes, I'm, you can catch <laughs> lots of fun fish there. Too bad I'm not up at the cottage fishing currently, but that's okay. I'll pretend I am fishing. We'll be fishing for some winners for you here. Um, even though, as I told Dan off air, a lot of these lines have gone the wrong way on me um, since I broke, did the breakdown Monday. I think Monday was actually when I finished all of my research. And yeah, the lines of, I guess it's good. People are agreeing with me, but I'm getting less uh, favorable lines than if we had recorded earlier in the week. But hey, them's the breaks. If I, if I win, that's fine. I won't get too greedy. So all right, before we move on, let me tell you about something brand new in the Sports Gambling Podcast world. The Sports Gambling Podcast Patreon. Do your part in the war against corporate gambling and sign up for the SGP Patreon. Tons of exclusive content, contests, and merch just for our patrons. Plus a monthly SGP Stories Podcast, an ad-free, uncensored show highlighting the best stories from decades of being degens. There's even a Discord channel just for patrons. Sports Gambling Podcast at Patreon is a great way to score exclusive perks and support SGPN. SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash Patreon. That's SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. All right. Pay-per-view time. UFC 291 Poye versus Gaethje 2. As I said off the top, Delta Center, Salt Lake City, Utah, this Saturday night, July the 29th. And of course, I forgot to put down the times. Is it a 6.30 start, do you remember, or 6 o'clock? Do you know off the top I of I want to say it was 6.30 off the top of my head. Okay. Don't don't take our words for it, but that's what we're going with. That is the early prelims, which will be on ESPN Plus and UFC Fight Pass. And we're kicking things off with a women's flyweight bout. Priscilla Cachoeira and Miranda Maverick. Let me tell you about Cachoeira first. Zombie girl. Didn't look like she was going to be long for this world, but like a zombie, she is still here in the UFC. Eight, uh, this is her ninth fight. Uh, she's 12-4 overall with seven knockouts. She's been submitted twice. 4-4 four and four in the UFC. However, she's won two straight fights in four of her last five. Won her last fight TKO. Used to fight up at Bantamweight. Has missed weight before at Flyweight, so keep an eye on that. She's very big for the weight class. And fighters that miss weight generally don't win their fights, surprisingly. 38% is the stat since I started tracking it about three or four years ago. It's almost 100 fights now uh, for fighters that miss weight. 38% uh, hit ratio. You would not, uh, well, at least myself, that's not something I would have guessed uh, heading into it before I started tracking it. Um, glad I tracked it. Cachoeira has been outstruck horribly over her career. Uh, minus 3.17 strikes per minute. Uh, so she's been outstruck by over three strikes a minute uh, in the UFC, but she's a zombie. So it does not matter. Apparently uh, she's four inches taller than Maverick. She is more active landing strikes than Maverick is over their UFC careers. Plus two sixty for her. Miranda fear the Maverick 11 and five, one knockout, six submissions, never been finished in a fight four and three in the UFC two and one over her last three. However, two and three over her last five did lose her last fight. She's taken this on short notice. Of course, everyone knows short notice is one of my favorite stats here. Short notice fighters only win 38% of the time. This uh, this year, they are doing better, 52%. I don't know. Smaller sample, obviously, than the 
four-year or three-year one that I, I have a uh, ranking, but it's something to keep in mind. You never know. Um, all right, short notice. She was, was six and two in Invicta. Used to fight down at strawweight. Nine years younger than Cachoeira. Better striking and grappling stats than Cachoeira. She's outstruck her UFC opponents by almost a strike a minute. It's 0.95 uh, is the exact number. And she's at minus 250. You get to kick her off. I'm going to go dog here. Uh, the game. Guess what? So am I. Yeah, I'm going to go catch away. This is insane. Did you ever believe that we would, I would ever <laughs> pick, I would pick a Priscilla catch over, Miranda, over Maverick. Miranda Maverick? No, but there, yeah. I mean, like, there's just so many factors here that line up for me that say, mm-hmm. like, you, you got to go catch away to here. And, and, you know, the big one for me is Maverick shouldn't be taking this on short notice. She's clearly trying to get a win back that she just lost. Right. Like, yep. Trying to get the taste out of her mouth. Yep. Right. And, and that sometimes is the worst kind of short notice fight. Cause it's not even just like a short notice fight. And, you know, she'd been out for a while and this was a chance to jump back in a little sooner than she thought she was. She fought like a month and a half ago. Like the, even if she went immediately into training camp after her last loss, this would be a six week training camp. Like yep. that, that's, that's a very quick turnaround. And also the problems of that fight are a lot of the same problems of this fight, right? She's short for being a, a flyweight, right? That that's always going to be kind of the thing about Maverick. She's only five foot five three, foot three. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Super short. And she was outsized by, uh, Jasmine Jesudavisius, right? Like Jesudavisius was just bigger, taller, stronger than Maverick. Mm-hmm. And it was hard for Maverick to get in on her without getting, you know, beat up on the feet. And I think here with Cachoeira, she's going to run into a lot of those same problems. And I know Cachoeira isn't the same level of grappler as Jesudavisius, but she really has picked up her grappling as of late. Like she, she does look a lot better. You know, you, you take that fight with Jillian Robertson. Yeah, Jillian Robertson gets the rear naked choke with one second left in the first round. But she actually had had stuffed the first three takedowns before they got to that point. So she was 0-3 up until she landed one. And, and like, in her last three fights, her grappling defense has gotten better. She's clearly going to be the better boxer. And she was in training camp the whole time. And plus, at the end of all that, you get her at plus 260. I, I mean, like... It would be insane to lay money on Miranda Maverick at this spot. Yeah, I concur with all of that, uh, basically. Yeah, I was going to say I can't put minus 250 down on a fighter taking this on short notice who has not fought very well recently and one that lost. So, yeah, uh, Ketcherer is definitely worth a stab at plus 260. Um, she's going to be way bigger, and she's should be the more dangerous. Maybe not, not the better striker, but the more dangerous striker, I think. I think she might even be the better one. I, I think a lot of those striking stats are inflated um, twofold. Number one, by the uh, the Cachoeira win over Gigi on Kim. Kim landed a yeah. bunch of punches, but they didn't do anything. Um, yeah. And then also, obviously, the loss to Valentina Shoshenko, where she <laughs> ate 95 yep. punches to three. So, like, th- those numbers row, yeah. are, th- yeah, those numbers are bad, but they're not. They're, I, I don't think they're indicative of, like, her actual technical boxing skills. Plus, they are two ships heading in different directions, too. Maverick is uh, going down, it appears, and Kachura is going up. So definitely, we will take a stab on plus 250 on a fighter that's on the way up. Plus, everyone loves the uh, fading, uh, the the favorites in female fights. Let's check how that stat's working out, because I did start tracking that, too, because I love tracking stats. Women's favorites this year are winning 57% of the time, so 
that means underdogs are hitting 43%. So another thing in our favor, um, considering the overall hit rate for underdogs is about 35%. So there you go. All right, moving to the men's side. Watch, wait, Matthew Semmelsberger versus Euros Medic. I will tell you about Medic first. The doctor is eight and one, six knockouts, two submissions. So he's finished all of his wins and he's been finished in his only loss. He got submitted in that loss. Two and one in the UFC. He's got win-loss win over his last three. Last win was via TKO. That was back in May of 2022. And he's taken this fight on short notice as well, just like Maverick. Uh, he was one and in the contender series. He used to fight down at lightweight and up at middleweight. Better striking stats than Semmelsberger. And he's, he lands more than two times. He lands two times more strikes. That's probably a better way of saying it. Two times more strikes than Semmelsberger does uh, in the UFC. He outstrikes his opponents. This is a huge number. One of the biggest ones we've seen by 4.38 strikes per minute. And he's at plus 180 for Medic. Semmelsberger, semi, the Jedi, 11-5, six knockouts, one submission. He's been knocked out once, submitted once. Five and three in the UFC. He's got a loss, win, loss over his last three. Fought up at middleweight. Four inches reach over Medic. He's been outstruck barely in the UFC by 0.16 strikes a minute. Better grappling stats than Medic. Minus 200. Uh, my turn. Was considering Medic, um, just because he's such a more dangerous striker than uh, than Semmelsberger, but the, the two things, obviously short notice, which I like to lean on because it tends to pay off. Uh, plus, he's been out of the cage for over a year. Uh, ring rust, not quite as uh, as rough on fighters' uh, winning percentages as the late replacement is, but there's still it's 47% fighters who, who are out of the cage more than a year, only 47% of the time. So it's, it's a little bit. It's, it's Ring rust is a slight factor, but um, mostly I'm leading on the short notice thing. And then you add on the... Um, on the uh, ring rust, possibly. Plus, Semmelsberger's a better grappler, I think. So give me Semmelsberger minus 200. Probably don't really like the number that much, but he's my pick. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Semmelsberger, too. I, I do wish it was a little lower. Um, I, I'd probably feel real comfy on this around negative 165-ish. Um, so if it came down a bit, I, I'd probably be all over it. I agree with all the things you said, except for I actually think Sam Ellsberger is underrated in how dangerous he is on the feet. He, he, uh, you know, uh, some people argue that he beat Jeremiah Wells. Uh, obviously, it was split right. decision. At least one judge said he did. Um, you know, most of the media was on Wells. But really, if you go back and you watch that fight, he hurt Wells early in that fight. He, the, the ref arguably could have stopped that in the first round. And Wells wouldn't have had a single leg to stand on because, like, he was hurt. He went down. He was following up with punches. And, yeah, maybe Wells did just enough to make sure the ref didn't stop it. But if he did, I don't I don't think Wells could have complained with any kind of actual, uh, like I said, no, no legs to stand on there. So, like, he's dangerous, too, because Wells can take a punch. And the thing I don't like about Medic, uh, in addition to it being short notice, again, you know, fade the short notice guys sometimes, but, like, he throws this like double jab with a two behind it um, when he's when he's striking and he leans way forward when he does it. And like, I just think the counter is going to be there for Sam Millsberger all day because Sam Millsberger is not only longer. I actually think he fights longer, too. He does a really good job of using that length. He's got those big gangly arms. So I think Medich is going to try to be getting to him with that, like, you know, that that jab two combo, um, you know, double jab two combo. And uh, I, I think he's just going to whiff on one of them and eat a eat a left hand over the top and, and just get finished. So um, I, I like semi here. And I actually if you want to start digging into props early here, too, I, I don't think you'd be crazy to start digging in and seeing if you can find. And I don't even know if they're out yet, but semi the Jedi finish props are, are probably pretty nice because he could sub them, too. 
Oh, so you're predicting the doctor's going to need a doctor, Dan. Yay! Also, the Doctor Medich is like a real weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a real, real weird nickname. We, we let's, let's see. We got Semmelsberger inside the distance plus one hundred. Uh, Semmelsberger. The rest of them are submissions by around submission around one plus fourteen hundred round two twenty two hundred round three thirty five hundred. That's all I see at this point. So, but so you got to moral, imagine. Moral yeah, up. you got to imagine sub will probably come in at three hundred. But I just I, I think straight finish prop is probably the one anyway. If you can get even money on him, um, maybe that's the way you church up those those negative two hundred odds that don't look all that tempting. Yes, because we do like underdog odds and we do like underdog fantasy and another slick transition by me. We're brought to you by underdog fantasy. The NFL season is right around the corner, and Underdog Pick'em is a great way to get down on a ton of NFL player props, and it is available in a ton of markets. That's a lot of tons. Plus, plenty of opportunities to win in their daily MLB contests. And, of course, make sure to enter Best Ball Mania 4, where first place gets a $1 million. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. All right, final fight of the early prelims, flyweight CJ Vergara versus Vinicius Salvador. Salvador is phenomenal. That's our third phenomenal in the past two weeks, Dan. Yeah, I, I was going to say that. Like when I saw phenomenal, <laughs> or, or do you know if they're spelled different? I think spelled the only the one. It's a one of them's L phenomenal. That's the only difference. Oh, okay. Yeah, or, he's the um... Spanish one. Yes. Yes. Alvarez. Yep, they're yeah. all <laughs> yes, they're all phenomenal. So uh, we shall see how phenomenal. Right now, phenomenos are, are two and oh in the last week. Oh, that is a stat I haven't been tracking, Dan. Thank you for 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 chiming in with that. You are the I'm nickname guy, right? I'm on it. <laughs> He's a nickname guy. All right. Salvador, 14 to 5, 13 knockouts, one submission. So he's quite a finisher for a flyweight. He's been knocked out twice, submitted once. He's 0 1 in the UFC, 1 0 in contender series, used to fight at a bantamweight, was a regional champ, got an inch of height and two inches of reach on Vergara, and he's five years younger, which is, I think, meaningful for, especially for a lighter weight class. He's been outstruck over his UFC and contender series fights by 0.12 strikes a minute. Better grappling stats than Vergara, plus 300. Vergara, 11, 4, and 1 with seven knockouts. Two, he's been submitted twice. Two and two in the UFC. Loss, win, loss, win is the pattern thus far. He did win his last fight via TKO. He's missed weight three times. So keep that in mind. If you're betting on this fight, you may want to wait until after weigh-ins to see how everyone looks and what everyone weighs in at. He was a Fury FC champion before this. He used to fight at Bantamweight. 2012 pro MMA debut. Striking and active striking stats in his favor over Salvador. He's outstruck his UFC opponents by 0.88 strikes a minute. He's at minus 150. I, I'm going to go Vergara. Um, and this is one of the ones I wavered back and forth on. I, I'm going to go Vergara because, uh, you know, in, in what I've watched of Salvador, and, and I had to go back and watch him because I, I barely remembered that fight when he fought uh, Altamirano there. Um, but he's just like, my, my biggest issues with him are that he's he's really upright when he fights and like looks like his chin's in the air. Um, and he does a lot of funky shit and he does it for literally no reason. Like he threw, um, in, in the Altamirano fight, when I went back and watched it, he threw a, um, a leg kick that was actually around his own back and behind his other leg. And so he like kept the square stance and threw the leg kick around the back and then just stayed square. Uh, and I, I was like, for, yeah. And I was like, for what? Like that, Pack that like. That leg kick, does, yeah, exactly. It looked like a hacky sack move. <laughs> and like at the end of the day, it wasn't a harder kick. 
Uh, it didn't inflict damage. It may have surprised Altamirano, but in the way of like, what is he doing that for? Not like, oh, damn, that hurt. Um, and, and he does a lot of that, like cartwheel kicks and stuff, like kind of like a Michelle Pereira, but without being dangerous. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff. So it, I, I just wish he would fight. I, I wish he would wrestle all the time because he's low key, like a really great wrestler, but only when he's like reacting to other people's wrestling. Um, and I think the fact that Vergara, first of all, is a little bit more technical on the feet in terms of keeping his hands up, his chin down, looks like he's protecting himself. He boxes. He doesn't do crazy things. He he does actually counter pretty well on the return punches. I think he's a little faster. And in his last fight, he showed he has a phenomenal chin. So, like, I think all those things put together are just going to make it so that he hits Salvador more than Salvador hits him. Um, and since he's got such a good chin, that's probably all he needs in order to make sure he wins this fight. Yeah, I'm going with uh, Vergara as well. I haven't been really impressed with Salvador up to this point. I think uh, Vergara is is the better his, fighter. Uh, his <laughs> win on Contender Series aged really poorly too. That that's that Shannon yep, Ross help. win. Yeah, Shannon, right. Shannon Ross. We, we don't even count that one anymore. Yep, it is it is true. All right, so we're on the same page with our three picks. Let's move to the. Regular prelims, which will be 8 p.m. Eastern start, ABC, ESPN, ESPN+. Watch rates, Jake Matthews versus Darius Flowers. Flowers, beast mode, Darius, beast mode, Flowers. 12, 5, and 1, 8 knockouts, 1 submission. He's been knocked out once, submitted four times, so he's been finishing every loss of his. This is his short-notice UFC debut. Alarm bells are ringing. 1-0 on the contender series. He's won four straight fights and five of six. Has not lost since June of 2021. Three straight wins have come via finish. Used to fight at middleweight. Got outstruck in the contender series by 0.82 strikes a minute, yet he won. He's at plus 225. The Celtic kid, or the Celtic kid, I'm going to call him the Boston Celtic kid, Jake Matthews, 18 and 6, five knockoffs, seven submissions. He's been knocked out once, submitted three times, 11 and 6 in the UFC, lost win loss over his last three, all won the ultimate fighter, used to fight down at lightweight. Regional champion, 2012 pro MMA debut, two inches light, two inches of reach over Flowers. He's almost four times more active lightning strikes. This is all based off of one fight Flowers has had, though. And his graphing stats are better than Flowers as well. Uh, he has outstruck his opponents in the UFC by 0.85 strikes a minute, minus 240. He's been inconsistent, but give me the Boston Celtic kid, uh, Jake Matthews. Um, once again, short notice, plus uh, short notice debut, plus going up against a super experienced guy like Matthews, who is capable of... of um, putting together really great performances. He's also capable of doing the opposite, but um, even I think even if he's just average in this fight, he should have what it takes to be flower. So give me Matthews. Yeah. And, and, and I'm going to actually, you know, chime back about him not looking great all the time too, because like he's only lost two of his last six fights and they're Sean Brady and Semmelsberger. And, yeah, and really no shame he, there. he did a lot to win that Semmelsberger fight. At the end of the day, Semmelsberger won that fight with his power, which I, I kind of lauded earlier, right? It's like, he low-key has better power than you think. I think Matthews was winning almost every single one of those rounds until he ate like a mean right hand, got wobbly, and it swayed the judges in every single case. So, like, he did enough to win in all those times and just, like, didn't wind up winning. Also, like, Darius Flowers is not a guy who I think of as being, like, UFC caliber. Uh, I, I think he kind of kind of lucked his way into being in the UFC because he, he beat a guy in uh, on contender series who I was actually really high on, Amir on Google Adze, um out of Georgia. And, and remember, it was just like a weird 
fluke injury that caused uh, uh, Gogoladze to quit. His, his like shoulder came out, um, and it seemingly came out even before, um, even before he got slammed. So like it was just a weird situation. If you look at his resume, it, it's filled with like crappy performances or like I mean he lost to guys like Ryan Lenninger, um, who like you know he's a fine guy to watch on LFA sometimes and look for dog money, but like isn't the type of person you should be losing to if uh, if you're a UFC caliber fighter. So I I'm just not really impressed by Darius Flowers. I think he's kind of like a brawler who thinks he can wrestle and he ain't gonna do any of those things to Jake Matthews. Yeah, take that. Um, all ah. right. We're on the same page once again. Let's move, move up a little bit. We're going to go to middleweights. Roman Coppola versus Claudio Hibiero. Uh, I'll tell you about Hibiero first. He is 11-3 and three with 11 knockouts. He's been knocked at once, submitted once. 1-1 one one in the UFC. 7-1 and one over his last eight. He did win his last fight via TKO. 1-0 in the contender series. Multi-regional championships on his... Mantle. Correct. Get the shirt, sportsgamingpodcast.com slash store. Used to fight at welterweight, inch of height, two inches of reach over Kopilov, a year younger. Better grappling stats than Kopilov, and he has outstruck his UFC opponents by 1.83 strikes per minute. And that includes his contender series fight, and he's at plus 188. Uh, Kopilov, 10 and 2 with nine knockouts. He's been submitted once, two and two in the UFC. He's won two straight fights, however, both via knockout or TKO. Multiple regional championships on his. Mantle. Correct. Get the shirt. Sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash store. We're on a roll. Uh, used to fight at light heavyweight. More active landing strikes than Hibiero is. And he's at his uh, strike differential is at plus 0.58 strikes per minute. Minus 200. Um, I, I'm going. Is it my turn? It is your turn. I'm going copy love. Um, look, I, I think uh, I think Ribeiro's power is intriguing and it's enough to entice a lot of people. But for anybody who's like, oh, yeah, you, you know, he's just going to sleep anybody who, who's throwing with him. Go back and watch his fight with Ugly Man Joe, because uh, that's his last fight. And, and like there were a lot of times where like he's just trying to throw and get his hands going. And Ugly Man Joe just put him up against the cage and held him there. And and yet Holmes didn't get any takedowns. and He didn't get anywhere with it. But like. That's not a good sign when you're fighting Kapilov, because first of all. Kapilov can wrestle when he needs to. Like, if he digs it out, he can. He doesn't ever want to. He's never going to shoot a takedown on his own accord. But, like, his counter-wrestling or putting you against the cage is actually really good. And from distance, he's crazy sharp. Like, his first two fights non-withstanding because they were terrible performances. I mean, what he did to Puno Soriano in that last fight, he put an absolute clinic on him and made us all pay. I'm pretty sure I picked uh, Puna in that fight. He made me pay for thinking Puta Soriano had a chance with him. Um, so, yeah, I, I like think uh, I, I think he's just going to piece him up from the outside. I think he's dangerous. I think he'll tire out Ribeiro. Uh, like, like there's so many reasons to like copy off here. Yet I'm picking against him. Here's where we differ. I'm taking an underdog and you're not. Um, Ribeiro is my pick. As you said, very powerful, dangerous striker. Also, I think he's a, uh, a better grappler than um, than you would think for a guy who who strikes like he does. So, I think he's worthy of a uh, of a dog play here. So, give me Hibiero. Do you think he'll go to his grappling? Because I just think he, he just strikes me as a guy who he's like, oh, cool, this guy's gonna just throw haymakers with me for the next fifteen minutes. That's awesome. And he'll just get like so intrigued by it. Cause I think the only takedowns yeah. he's got 
if I'm not mistaken, I think he only took down Joe Holmes. And I'm pretty sure he only did that because Holmes initiated like a clinch. And then he was like, cool, I'll, I'll shoot my takedown from here. I don't know yeah, that he'll like. Who's to say, I, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, I think he's a wild man in there. I don't think anybody can predict his intentions. <laughs> yeah, he takes down. He's just over one takedown attempted per five minutes. We're talking two UFC fights. They don't. This site doesn't count the contender series, I don't think. Um, a pretty good um, control rate. Clinch and ground time, 38%. So it's not like he's totally just strikes. But like you said, that could have been another fighter making him um, making Mac that way. But still, I'm going to roll the dice. He's he's worthy of it, I believe. Look at you getting copy. after you yeah, getting exactly. after dogs. <laughs> Look at that. All right. Let's see what happens next. Heavyweights. Derek Lewis versus Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Lewis, the black beast. 20, that's his nickname. I didn't, I'm not calling him that, just for the record. He's 26 and 11, 21 knockouts, one submission. He's been knocked out seven times, submitted twice. 17 and 9 in the UFC. He's lost three straight fights and only won one of his last five. All of his losses have come his recent losses have come via finish was regional champion 0-1 in bellator 2010 pro mma debut two inches taller than rogerio de lima four inches reach on him he's been outstruck but barely in the ufc by 0.05 strikes per minute plus 190 for him Pazau is rogerio de lima which means uh bigfoot bigfoot right 21 8 and 1 14 knockouts three submissions been knocked out once, submitted five times. Ten and six in the UFC. He's won two straight fights and four or five. He went two and zero in the Ultimate Fighter. Used to fight up at light heavyweight and down at middleweight. He has missed weight before, but that was back in the light heavyweight days. That should not be an issue here at heavyweight. A 2009 pro MMA debut. Striking, active striking, and grappling stats all better than Lewis's. He has outstruck his UFC opponents by 0.79 strikes per minute, minus 210. Sad to say, but I'm going to go against uh, Derek Lewis. Rogério de Lima is my pick. Uh, once, like I said earlier, these are two guys headed, uh, headed in diff- two ships headed in different directions. Lewis just seems to be done. Uh, he still has, obviously he probably will always have that one hit power. Um, but other than that, he's pretty much seems to be shot. Um, Jerry Delima obviously is going to be the better grappler than him. Hopefully he doesn't get into any firefights and gets himself caught, but uh, he's probably better everywhere at this point in the career. So uh, give me him at minus two ten. I'm taking Derek Lewis. Whoa. I, yeah, I mean, why not dude and, and like to your point uh, i'm gonna buck your point just for a moment about him being heading in the wrong direction you're right he's lost the four or five but also who is he lost four or five against surreal gain tai tuivasa sergey pavlovich sergey spivak like he's losing to all guys who I, i'm pretty sure all those guys are in the top five if not the top seven right like maybe the lowest ranked one is tai tuivasa right now um, and like, look, Hey, if you get into a striking match with Tai Tuivasa and you don't come out of it, like that's okay. Whereas Marcus Rogerio de Lima, who's his best win? Like Ben Rothwell, uh, you know, uh, I, he, he did beat Andre Arlotsky. I guess I should give him that. But like, he's not like taking people down with any kind of frequency that makes me feel good about him. Um, you know, he, he had, to, he had to take down Waldo Cortez Acosta or else he would have lost to Waldo Cortez Acosta, who generally I think of as being one of the worst light head or worst heavyweights out there. Like he's just, he's got no grappling. Um, That's and he's, saying a lot too. Yeah. And, and, and like Waldo <laughs> Cortez Acosta stuffed more than half of his takedown attempts. So like if that led to oh, Cortez Acosta beating him up on the feet, dude, I don't give you much hope against Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis just needs to land one, not 35 before he hits the knockout. So, uh, 
Yeah, I'm gonna take a roll of the dice here. I, I think I think Derek Lewis touches them, and I think he goes to sleep. But yeah, Lewis, that means he has to actually pull a trigger though to touch him. We'll see if he's if he still has that in him. Uh, you know what happens with aging fighters that they tend to be uh, slow on the trigger. So we'll see. It's not like uh, Ogier de Lima probably will not be knocking him out though. So I don't like it at minus two ten. I will put that caveat on here, um, especially a heavyweight fight. So all right, we are disagreeing. Let's see if we can get back on. The same track here. I have a feeling we will. For the main event. Yeah, me, events, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Walter Waits, Gabriel Bonfim, a.k.a. the good Bonfim brother, right? I warned you about the bad Bonfim brother. I will tell you that. <laughs> yeah. uh, more like Bonfim, right? Oh, right? oh sick, sick burn. Sick. <laughs> All right. This one, the good Bonfim is fighting Trevin Giles. And uh, this is at Walter Waits, if you didn't say it already. Giles is the problem. Hopefully he's not our problem. On Saturday, yes, the dogs want supper so bad they're going insane. Dan, you're gonna have to wait. <laughs> I have to talk about Gabriel Bonfim. All right, Trevin Giles first, 16 and four, six knockouts, five submissions. Been knocked out twice, submitted twice, so he's been finishing both of his losses. Six and four in the UFC, he's won two straight fights. Before that, he lost two straight. Before that, he won three straight. So two and oh, two and two, five and two is the pattern. Used to fight at middleweight and light heavyweight, two inches of reach over Bonfim. He is a uh, plus. 0.9 strikes in his favor per minute. So he almost outstrikes his opponent by almost a minute uh, strike per minute. He's at plus 270. Maratina is Bonfim, which means? Uh, small hammer. Yes. 14 and 0. Three knockouts, 11 submissions. So he's finished everybody. 1 and 0 in the UFC. 1 and 0 on Contender Series. Was the LFA champion. Used to fight at uh, Bantamweight, surprisingly, and, and lightweight. Inch height over Giles, five years younger, more than twice. Uh, he lands more than two times the strikes than Giles does uh, on his opponents in the UFC. Better grappling stats than Giles. He's got a strike differential in the positive, plus 1.19 per minute, minus 325. Dan's going to break it down while I go feed the dogs before they uh -huh. eat me. Go ahead. All right. So, yeah, I'm going to take Gabriel Bonfim here. Uh, you know, I, I think Gabriel Bonfim is obviously the better fighter in a lot of different ways. But the biggest one for me is that he's got that ability to submit people at seemingly any point in time, right? Is that, like, when he when he's striking, he's also thinking about grabbing your neck. And that's a mistake that Trevin Giles has made more than one time, right? Like, if you think back to Trevin Giles' losses in the early part of his run at middleweight, he actually lost two in a row by, I want to say they were both guillotines. I know the latter one was a guillotine because I was at that fight. Um, but but when he lost to um, Gerald Mearshart, he just decided at one point in time that it was okay to grapple uh, and to get after it. But he was like winning a striking match. But like one thing didn't happen that he liked and he shot and got guillotined. Same thing in this fight with Zach Cummings. Zach Cummings just like, you know, touched him one time. He freaked out. Guillotine choke. And I think that that's the thing about Bonfim is that, like, when he's striking, he's thinking about submitting you. He's thinking about hurting you and getting you to do something dumb. Trevin Giles just so happens to be the type of person who does things dumb when he gets hit. So uh, I'm going to say uh, let's expect a club and sub here for uh, Gabriel Ooh, Bonfim. Club and sub. Yeah, I heard. I've heard Giles fight IQ being questioned before. Yeah. So he doesn't make the smartest decisions and Bonfim is not a type of guy to make mistakes against because he finishes everybody. So, um, yeah. And, and by the way, Bonfim hmm. by submission right now is plus plus one forty. Um, Ooh. and by knockout, which seems a little bit rarer is plus two seventy. So like, you know, the, the, the books expect him to get the finish here too. 
Um, and, and maybe they're thinking club and sub too. We shall see tomorrow. We'll see if we make any of those picks as our prop plays. All right, that is. Wait, did Cleveland. you take? You're, you're also taking Bonfim. I take it. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, okay. of course. <laughs> Definitely, uh, Bonfim is the pick. Yeah, he's, yeah, okay. he's too good. And um, Jaws is going ahead. He has the problem. Could be his fight IQ. So, um, all right. Recap: Bonfim, we both in on. Dan has Derek Lewis. I have Hosier De Lima. I think you just picked that because I picked an underdog here, Claudio Hibiero. And you had he have copy lap. I think you could. I'm, I'm not sure. I've, I'm not sure I've ever picked against Derek Lewis. If I'm, I'm being honest, it, it is hard the, to do. Maybe in the Tai Tui Bossa fight, I know I picked him in the surreal game fight. I thought he was going to tag game. <laughs> yep, yep. It's hard to pick against the man. Um, Jake Matthews are both in on both in Vergara, Samuelsberger, and Cachuera as a big underdog. Hopefully, kick off the night right for us. So. All right, that is, as I said, the prelims, but we're going to be back very soon in a mere hours. Depends when you listen to this. It could be mere seconds. We will be back with our main card and all our fancy-dancy plays. Till then, we will be hanging out in the Discord as we always are at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. We're in the Fights channel. Uh, Twitter, SGPN MMA. Jeff Fox, writer, Gumby Vreeland. They're the handles to follow. I'm on Instagram, Jeff underscore Fox underscore writer. Gumby's got another podcast, minus me, if you can imagine that. It's called the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, where he interviews people and makes some picks. Who Who's on it this week? Remind, uh, remind I me. Talk, I talked to Dustin Jacoby, who's fighting uh, Kennedy and Zuchuku next week at UFC Nashville. Uh, and then I also talked to the Israeli tank, Eli Aronoff, who's going to be on Contender Series coming up. Dustin Jacoby, a very positive man. Yeah, and he met Tony Romo. <laughs> yes, you met Tony, which is big news for a cowboy fan like Dan. So um, that's the top turtle MMA. Get that in your ears. Uh, get me in your inbox at moneymma.substack.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Enter my free pick'em contest. Enter the UFC 291 pick'em contest this week. Get in there for free in the contest. And all things sports gambling podcast is at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. We'll be back tomorrow. It will be me, Pazau, Jeff Fox. And the Boston Celtic kid, Gumby Reeland, will come along as well. Bye-bye.